mouth shut, hold your tongue, don't say something will make you regret. Girl, you better keep your door shut, keep your door shut, the devil's out prowling, I bet. Girl, you better keep your mind shut, this book hasn't failed us yet. legs shut right no don't make me get into it Girl, you better... welcome to girls planning the podcast where two girls who are smarter than you offer our expert opinions on a different topic each week i'm elizabeth i'm kylie and you're welcome this week we are talking about polyamory wikipedia describes polyamory from the Greek poly, many, several, and Latin, amor, love, is typically the practice of or desire for intimate relationships where individuals may have more than one partner with the knowledge and consent of all partners. It has been described as consensual, ethical, and responsible non-monogamy. So guys, I have a confession to make, and that confession is that I am not actually an expert on this topic in any way. I know very little about it. When we say we're experts... We're being facetious. It's sarcasm. You know, sarcasm. But we aren't being facetious when when we say we're smarter than you. That's probable. It's probable that we're smarter than you, but it's also possible that you know more about this specific topic than we do. So if we say something that is dumb, um, sorry, uh, if you could hit me up and let me know, I'll try not to say anything like that again. Just like Kylie now. Not me. Also, if we say something that you find dumb, you might be wrong, too. It's possible. I meant more like if I say something accidentally offensive because I'm too dumb to know that it's offensive. Yeah. Call me out on that shit, and uh, I will adjust. Yeah. We're humans. We're dumb. That goes along with the territory. Okay. So that's our disclaimer. Mm -hmm. Moving along to our expert opinions on this topic. That is correct. So, I am in a monogamous relationship. Me too. Uh, I like monogamy. I have, uh, I want to say I've always been in a monogamous relationship, but I have also failed at monogamy in the past. But only fleetingly, I will say. But uh, it has happened. Not in my current monogamous relationship, but in prior ones. My current monogamous relationship, I have been in... For 11 years this July, consecutively. That is many years. Mm-hmm. My current monogamous relationship I have been in for three years. Yes, that is correct. <laughs> <laughs> I had to think about it for a second. But yeah, I've also previously always been in monogamous relationships. I am what some people may call a serial monogamist, which is where I end one monogamous relationship and jump immediately into a new one. Not always the case, but there was like only a two-week gap between my previous four-year relationship and my current three-year relationship. Well, it's good to have love in your life. True. So, we are speaking as two people who have never practiced polyamory or non-monogamy in a sanctioned way. (laughs) Correct. (laughs) Uh, Cool, just to be clear. So since we decided to do this topic, I feel like in my life, not in my personal life, but polyamory has been popping up everywhere. I went to an improv show this weekend and it was a long form improv show with a two-person team who are going deep into characters. And one of the characters was uh, describing his polyamorous relationship humorously, but also with a lot of emotional depth and respect for the character's lifestyle choices, I will say. But I was kind of cracking up because we had been researching polyamory, and I was like, ah, this guy, this guy over here, he's also been researching polyamory. <laughs> Apparently. Uh, and then... I uh, ordered thanks period panties, and I got them yesterday, and also read an article yesterday that the CEO of thanks yeah. was sexually harassing people, and uh, one of the 
the way the she eo she eo because it's a different word for female ones, guys. Did you know that's like comedian with the two ends and an e? The she eo of things <laughs> was accused of sexual harassment by employees and. Apparently, one of the ways in which she was inappropriate was talking about how she wanted to explore polyamory, which I thought was a funny detail just because it does belie how society sees the concept of polyamory as being salacious. Yeah, like that's really unfortunate because polyamory is, again, the ethical practice of non-monogamy, and sexually harassing your employees is not ethical. Mm. Do not do it. It is not ethical or legal in any way. Yeah, I think the idea is that she was uh, creating an unsafe feeling space with oversharing, perhaps. Oversharing or perhaps unwanted invitations to participate in... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. We could speculate all day. (laughs) But we're not going to look it up. That's what we're not going to (laughs) do. Nope. Well, yeah, this is pending litigation, so. Sure. Yeah, I um, I haven't really had much personal contact with polyamory, to my knowledge, at least. <laughs> well, I just mean, like, anyone that I meet could be in a yeah. polyamorous, I don't even know how to phrase it as an adjective, in a polyamorous relationship. relationship, and it may not feel safe to be open about it. Which is one of the things that I read about when we when I did my research on polyamorous families. So mm-hmm. we can talk about yeah. that a little bit. Ugh, yeah, for sure. I think that I had some early, like my early introductions to the concept of polyamory left me with kind of a little bit of a negative feeling. But I don't, I don't have a negative feeling about it now. I just know that it's not something that's for me. Mm-hmm. But my first introduction to the concept and term and all that was when I was in high school, I had a friend, I can't remember whether we were 15 or 16, but she had a much older boyfriend uh, who was in his 20s, like his mid-20s, and he was like an anarchist, and um, like, like a practicing anarchist, and we would like hang out with him, and um, he like let me the ethical slut to read. Because he was, like, polyamorous, I guess. I'm not I'm not clear on all the details of their relationship, being that it was super long ago. But it was... I read it, and I just felt like it kind of oversimplified the concept of jealousy and, like, possession of other people. And I guess I just feel like sometimes people who practice polyamory and believe in polyamory feel entitled to like shame monogamous persons and so that's also not cool because like some people like monogamy and I feel like that should be fine because it doesn't hurt polyamorous people for monogamous people to practice monogamy. I think that that is true objectively however I would say that polyamorous folks are definitely the minority and that there are plenty of monogamous folks who oh, yeah. do oppress and shame. Oh yeah, polyamorous for sure. folks. So I can see where I could see where if I was polyamorous, I would m- maybe I don't know. I guess that that was just my little yeah. I think st- it's an emotional. That was my little reaction. asterisk for on sure. That. I for sure think it's an emotional reaction. Yeah, to feeling marginalized. Yeah, that's super understandable. My initial introduction to polyamory in the world was, like, the really, really, really negative example of polygyny, I think, Mm -hmm. is how it's pronounced. Polygyny, or um, men who have multiple wives, and frequently in a religious setting, and frequently the many wives would be, like, (laughs) 13 years old. So that was, you know, my initial understanding for several years of what polygamy or polyamory right is and so I had negative connotations about it and as I have grown up and learned more and seen more examples of consensual polyamory with consenting adults I have come to be like that's not for me but good for you yeah I'm glad that you're happy yeah I'm I'm glad that we live in a time where People are exploring different options outside of the heteronormative 
uh, lifestyle that everybody has been told for generations they have to live. I also will say that as a child, all of my scary scaring you into not having sex stuff totally worked on me and I didn't become fully sexually active until I was 22 partially out of fear and so any sort of non-monogamy scares me in a way of like STIs and just general safety yeah I mean I think that makes a lot of sense there there are practical concerns but I mean I think that there's always or at least there should be I mean part of the ethical practice of polyamory would definitely be communication and, and sexual safety right I was just more speaking yeah. to like part of the reason that it's not for me is just my own personal hang-ups around yeah. sex in general yeah yeah that's probably true for uh-huh. everyone um. because as the creepy coach and mean girl said if you have sex you will get chlamydia and die so. yeah Yeah, I was lucky to be raised in a really sex-positive family, and I I feel like I was taught to be really open-minded, but I was also, I was also a child of divorce, and I feel like uh, my monogamous tendencies are partially because of that, and like, so, I probably like really romanticize monogamy, but you know what? Like, that's, that's what I like to do. So it's cool. Like, it's not, it's not like a psychological problem. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Let's talk the history of polyamory. Yeah, when I was researching this, like, so much of what I saw, even articles that were, like, trying to be sort of sex positive, tons of the examples they were using were just polygyny and specifically, like, men having like concubines and like societies where women were not empowered to be more than property essentially and I just I feel like that's not in the same spirit um but a lot of the historical examples are are that unfortunately yeah and the more I think about it the more I think it's probably polygyny because like misogyny yeah that's guys we don't know how to say that word you're just gonna have to get over it too bad I like it. I mean, I don't... We're going to go with that. And if we're wrong and you hate it, guess what? Turn off the podcast. Don't do that, though. Don't do that. Please don't do that, guys. I promise we'll give you an ice cream cone. Um, I don't promise that. I was like, Elizabeth, we'll give you an ice cream cone. That was Elizabeth who said that (laughs) Kylie is giving out zero ice cream cones. (laughs) Um, Okay. So, yeah. So, that's kind of what I found as well, as in, like, ancient Mesopotamia and Assyria, mm-hmm. um, monogamy was the norm, but polygyny was a thing as well. The Code of Hammurabi rules um, said that you can get a second wife as your first doesn't if your first doesn't bear children, but you mm-hmm. can't get a second wife if your first wife tells you that instead you can have a concubine slave. Loophole. <laughs> concubine loophole. Jesus so, it's, you know, instead, she'll give you a woman to have as a slave, and if she does that, then you're not allowed to take a second wife. Like, that's all kinds of fucked up. Aimed at, like, that's insane to me. And, that's pretty nuts. Um, and then, in ancient and present day, Egypt, mm-hmm. um, polygyny, you can have as many wives as you can afford. <laughs> so, don't get more <laughs> wives than you can feed, but other than that, go for it, dudes. That's the rule there. Um, Ancient Greece and Rome was monogamous on paper. There was no legal multiple marriage. But guys, everybody was having sex with everybody. I would love it if, like, historians are super wrong about ancient Greece. And they're like, it's, they're like, that's just soap operas. Like, you guys are acting crazy. Like, nobody really did any of that. One of the things that I actually really liked about um, the piece on Ancient Greece and Rome is that there was a lot of tolerance for bisexuality, but only among men, which kind of sucks. Right. But um, it was, like, a lot of tolerance for bisexuality, especially um, in bathhouses, at school, or at war. And they believed that um, sex among soldiers increased loyalty during wartime, which is the opposite of what America thought for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We are like, no, no gays in the military. That'll fuck everything up. Well, yeah. guess what? Ancient Greece and Rome were like, yeah, this is just going to make you all more loyal to each other. I mean, it makes sense to me. 
And then in the Holy Bible, obviously, mm-hmm. just everyone was having tons of wives all the time. Mm-hmm. There are even Bible verses about, like, Solomon and everybody, like, oh, if you, you know, get sick of this one, just get, like, eight more and it'll be fine. Yeah, because I'm our property. It's fine. Because marriage is between a man and his 500 wives. Yeah. Just like the Bible says, Elizabeth. God, don't be gross. Two men. Are you kidding? Two ladies? No. One man and 500 women. Makes sense. Seems legit. These are some international... This isn't as much historical as international examples. Cool, cool, cool. Um, In Nepal, currently, it's kind of dying out, according to the internet, citation needed. Yeah, I also don't remember where I got all of this information. It was from one article on a website that I think is a reputable website, but I also don't remember which one it was, but... Yeah. Oops. Uh, So, everything we're saying um, is brackets, citation needed. (coughs) That's a blanket citation needed. Excuse me. Elizabeth is dying. I'm not... I'm fine. I'm so sorry. Okay. So, in Nepal, there is a practice of Fraternal polyandry, polyandry. Okay. What do we polyandry? Polyandry. Okay. I'm going based off of misandry and misogyny. I agree. I agree. Okay. So, which is all right, all right, all right. One woman marrying some brothers, some bros. Oh, like biological brothers. Some dudes that are bros. Like literal bros. Literal, like born out of the same person. Brothers from the same mother. Damn, ladies. And I was, that's, I was like, that's interesting. And then I saw a picture, and the caption was like, the woman who is sitting down is 15, and these she's holding her youngest husband, who is 5, and then the guy next to her is another of her husbands, who's 12, and behind her is her other husband, who's 9. And I'm sure that they were platonic husbands at that point, but, like, it still seems not to be judgmental. A little weird. Guys, you can't see my face right now, but my frown is so deep that it looks like half of the McDonald's logo. I don't like it when five-year-olds are married at all. Me either. Mm -hmm. And that's a statement I'm willing to stand behind no matter what. Yeah. I won't back down on that. Five-year-olds should never be married. Not even to their brother's wife. Okay. So, and then there's, there's a polygamy club in Malaysia... That has 300... I did read about that one. ...husbands and 700 wives, approximately. I'm Mm -hmm. sure the numbers fluctuate somewhat. But it is exclusively, like, women are expected to be married to one man, and men can go to whatever of their wives' houses they want and and get busy. So that's that's, that's the case. Oh, uh, in Brazil, a triad... Gained legal recognition in 2012 as a, as a civil union, essentially. Okay. That's like a watershed case. Like, great. Yeah. But weirdly, Brazil doesn't have same-sex marriage. Mm. Less great. But like, yeah. So then... Yeah. Oh, because it's a civil union. So it's not a marriage. Yeah, but it's still... I'm not... Because I'm like, if it's a triad... Yeah. It would have to involve... Yeah, it's... I believe it's two women and a man. Two, at least two people of the right. same gender. Well, unless somebody was non-binary, but, or all right. of them. I read about a province in China called, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. I believe it's the Yunnan province and, and it's the uh, Masuo ethnic group have a practice called Zerohan, perhaps. I'm, I'm so sorry again. It's, it's, it's known as walking marriage. Yes, I was actually thinking of this um, a second ago. I was like that, because it's not really multiple, but it's it's a different, it's a different re- type of relationship. It's like so, a different go. societal, it's like a different societal setup than yeah. what we're used to with, with the atomic family and like having, you know, a woman gets born and then is married to a man and they live together and have a new family. It's, like, not even like that. It's just people can, if they are sexually attracted to somebody, they can ask to visit them, and they can bone. And then if a child is born in a household, the woman 
stays living with her her like brothers and sisters and her mom and like whoever her family is and um if a child is born the men of that household are responsible for the child and the children are raised like communally in that way yeah so it's a really interesting setup where um men are really more responsible for their nieces and nephews than their biological children yeah and it works for that profit like it's a very functional thing that's um, men go and visit the house of the lady they're interested in. They yada yada yada, and then if she gets pregnant, then um, it's just expected that her, her and her siblings and her mother, if her mother is still living in the home, because usually it's it's also like kind of matriarchal where everybody's staying with mom. Then that's the family unit, and everybody's fine. Yeah, yeah. It's just, and that's. I mean, that's just what's accepted. And I, yeah. If you're interested in learning more about that, Google walking marriages, China. Yeah. I would, uh, I would encourage you to do so. We're here to learn, you know? Knowledge is power. And I think that we should all treat learning as a lifetime task. So Google it up. Hashtag Ravenclaws. (laughs) Hashtag Ravenclaws. So monogamy. Is it natural? I'm going to put on my Kylie the Human Development major hat for a second. Um, So as we were learning about evolutionary psychology, the basic gist that I remember from school is that monogamy is natural temporarily. So basically um, our biology and hormones and the way our sex hormones work help us to be monogamous for about three to four years. Just long enough to raise a child until it can start walking around and be okay if one of the parents takes off. And then it's pretty much just by choice and those hormones kind of taper off and etc. Yeah. I think that the argument that it's not natural has a pretty big hole in it as an argument because like clothing isn't natural not stealing things isn't natural. So we choose to do things that aren't natural for lots of different reasons. And you can argue that clothing is dumb. And I would welcome that argument. Maybe it is. Maybe clothing is dumb, but not stealing stuff is good. So there are varying amounts of validity to constructs that we participate in that are not natural. But also... I would argue that it is natural just temporarily. Right. So like I said, like our bodies, like when you have sex with someone, your body releases, insert hormone here because I don't remember what it is at the moment. Bonatonin. Your body releases bonatonin and that bonatonin makes you feel happy and linked to the person you are with at that time. And that's why people feel like they're in love after they have sex. Mm Mm-hmm. So... That doesn't mean that you have to be in a monogamous relationship with that person, but our body is set up to release hormones to encourage at least temporary monogamy, and evolutionary psychologists would argue that that is so we can effectively protect a child up until it's old enough to start walking around and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, like pregnant cave women would probably have some difficulty providing for themselves during the last trimester, so it'd be good if their cave... Their cave uh, boyfriend could stick around and do some nuts and berries and keep keep that that old baby growing. Cave baby. Okie dokie. I also have an interesting fact. Kit Op- Kit Opic or Opic, who is uh, a professor at the University College of London, published a study that showed that it's possible that monogamy in humans helped us transcend a brain size threshold that kept other primates behind us in evolutionary intelligence and like the way we were able to create tools and things like that so much more quickly. Now chimpanzees are gaining on us, but... Uh, and the reason being that after an infant was born, its father sticking around helped it get protein as a child because the men would hunt 
mastodon and so forth and bring some mastodon steaks home for cave babies. And when the cave babies ate it, they got more protein in their brains and it helped their brains grow bigger at a younger age. Oxytocin. Oh, okay. Not not bonatonin. Weird. Bonatonin. I'm oxytocin. That is my fault. Also known as the love hormone. Okay. I just needed to fix that gap. I do feel like for me, in my relationship, I feel like if it's not a, I mean, it's obviously natural to be attracted to other humans. Like I think, if anybody thinks that they're bad and wrong for being like attracted to multiple people, like. It's 2017. Like, it's fine. Everybody's everybody's fine. It's okay. Um, but as far as, like, acting upon those desires, both my husband and myself are pretty possessive, and I feel like that's okay. And we, we're, we're communicative, and we're honest. And I feel like it's compassionate to practice monogamy because that's what each of us feel comfortable with. Yeah. I agree. And I think that for me, also the fact that monogamy is a choice to be made instead of just this natural thing that of course everybody does actually increases the romantic idea of it for me because it's I'm choosing to be with you. Yeah. um, And only you. And not that it's wrong to choose otherwise, it's just that that's the right choice for me. And in fact, it's kind of become like a joke frequently among me and my partner. Like, this weekend I was home visiting my parents, and I texted him, What you doing? He said, stuff. And I was like, as long as stuff isn't a euphemism for other ladies. (laughs) And then he called me a dork. (laughs) So, polyamorous relationships uh, are also a little bit less appealing to me just because of all the paperwork involved, as far as, like, setting up rules about all of your different partners like people can have a primary partner and secondary partners and tertiary partners and like people who they just casually sleep with and people who they're allowed to kiss but are not fluid bonded to and cannot have intercourse with and so on and so forth and then there's also like the scheduling difficulties of if you have three people who you need to spend time with like when do you do that and they have three people each that they spend time with when when all does it happen? Yeah, relationships are a lot of work. Managing a relationship is a lot of work. I cannot imagine managing a relationship with more than one person. Like, it is not worth it to me is another piece of that, I think. Yeah, yeah, right. Like, it just, oh, my goodness. It just seems really overwhelming. And I like making lists. <laughs> I just, I know, I, I know that people employ various, apps and technology has made it easier. I know Google Calendar was a huge windfall to the polyamorous community because you can share calendars. Oh, yeah. And it really opened up the ability to quickly and easily see everybody in your networks, uh, you know, situations and, like, set up date nights and stuff like that. Yeah, so. So this is something that I found on polymatchmaker.com. Do you identify with any of the following? Poly, polyamorous, ethical non-monogamist, ethical hedonist, ethical swinger, polyamorist. Prefer not to self-identify, but feel that monogamy is too limiting. Do you believe in any of the following? Poly, polyamory, ethical non-monogamy, ethical non-monogamy. Say that five times fast. Ethical swinging, ethical hedonism, open, honest relationships, meaningful multi-partner relationships, swinging with emotional connections. Everyone should have to write the right... Okay, that's a typo. Everyone should have to write to love who they want. As long as all partners are consenting legal adults, they should fix that. It bothers me. Um, Hey, hey guys, fix your copy. If you identify or believe in any of these concepts, you are in the right place. Polymatchmaker.com has been serving the poly and ethical non-monogamous community for over a decade. With an incredible organic membership base, we offer a network of potential friends, dates, and partners, all with similar goals. Ethical non-monogamy. And then you can do like a free account or a paid account. I think it's mostly a place to meet people, but I think they also have like message boards and stuff where people can discuss how they've handled things that come up. Yeah. I feel I feel like we have been a little bit remiss in not 
talking about the difference between polygamy and swinging and polyamory. I feel like maybe we should have done that up top, but we can do it now. Polygamy is the practice of multiple marriage. We talked about the other words uh, that we were mispronouncing that were specific to marry, uh, marriage where there's one man and multiple women or one woman and multiple men. Polygyny. Polyandry. Right. Maybe. So that's that. That's specifically describing marriages. Swinging is where people who are in a committed emotional and sexual relationship to one another have sexual encounters outside of that relationship or in a group setting. And it is also consensual, but it's generally a term used to describe sexual situations. Right. It's not multiple romantic or emotional relationships typically it's usually right yeah and then obviously polyamory is uh can can be any number of uh different partners involved in a network or just in two-person relationship that then has offshoots and it can be complicated and set up or just a triad and it can be as emotionally deep and as sexually deep as the participants want yes yes that's our expert definition elizabeth is very smart well that's an encyclopedic definition right there for you you're welcome so google calendars (coughs) are good for 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 that purpose Uh, i also found i found uh, an app called the poly life that has a different things that you can like it has like calendars like that but then it also has things where you can make profiles for all the people that you're involved with and say like this is my primary partner and like set it up so you can like have a little cheat sheet and it can be shared and you can also update rules like you can say like this person I'm only allowed to kiss or like this person I'm only allowed to have sex with but not spend the night or like whatever your rules are for those specific partners and participants so I just had a thought that I am now remembering something that I read. Um, So hearing you say, this person I'm only allowed to kiss. This person I'm only allowed to insert X here. I read an interesting article about domestic violence and polyamory um, that discussed kind of the unique issues of domestic violence in a polyamorous relationship. And it was written by a woman who had experienced an emotionally abusive polyamorous relationship. And she said that because polyamory is a marginalized thing, whether you want to call it a marginalized identity or just a thing that's, it's, it's not a dominant thing in our culture. So because people feel like they have to remain secretive about it, sometimes an abusive partner can use that in order to gain control in the relationship with threats of outing and... Also, yeah, with all of the rules, it's, you know, well, you're only allowed to do this. You're allowed to do that. And that can be good as long as it truly is what both partners want. Yeah. Um, But the whole point of polyamory really is that everyone is open and able to communicate with each other honestly about what's going on. So I just want to acknowledge that Domestic violence is something that can happen um, in a polyamorous relationship. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and definitely, definitely emotional violence, I think, is a huge risk to, a com- I mean, something that's complex and something. Yeah, I think that's a great point about secrecy breeding abuse. I mean, that's... Yes. Yeah, I think that's definitely... And, of course, um, polyamorous relationships are very popular in the queer community as well, so there's, like, a double layer there of secrecy. And also, you know, anytime that there's large age gaps, uh, like, in the friend that I had in high school who was dating a man in his 20s, like, that's another question mark that's, like, maybe... It's a red flag. Eyebrow. Yeah, perfect. I, I was not getting that phrase into my brain so thank you for that a red flag so yeah be safe not just sexually be safe emotionally be communicative and um know your own boundaries and it's okay if uh, you change your mind you can always change your mind about you know like most things so be kind to yourself that's always a good rule in my mind speaking of minds another (laughs) another dating app i found it's called 
open-minded. And that's another one that's specifically for non-monogamous relationships of, you know, of all ilk. And also, I know, um, I know of people, I have Facebook friends who are in polyamorous relationships and looking to be in polyamorous relationships who use OkCupid and Tinder. And um, in OkCupid, you can actually search by uh, only non-monogamous people's profiles, hmm. which I don't think you can do on Tinder, but I have heard of like couples having a Tinder profile okay. as one profile to seek like an additional person mm-hmm. or people to interact with in that way. So it's definitely becoming really prevalent, I feel like, in the millennial dating community. Like my friends who are dating, I think the majority of my friends who are dating and queer are in polyamorous relationships or huh. like generally in polyamorous relationships. That's interesting. I do not know anyone who has shared with me that they are in a polyamorous relationship um, or identified themselves as such. Most of my queer friends and colleagues, etc., are in are typically monogamous with their partners or have identified as such to me. Yeah, I don't know. It's I mean, I I think I'm just I think it's maybe on this precipice where like I'm I'm just seeing people sharing more about it in the past year. Like I would say a hmm. year ago. I feel like it was more fringe and just like it seems like it's accelerated in um, prevalence in my purview mm-hmm. at least, which is that's the only reality I know. Yeah, um, I do know folks who are in open relationships, okay. open non-monogamous relationships, but typically that's not polyamorous relationships where they have multiple partners. It's just we are in a committed romantic relationship. And we have certain rules around it being okay to have sex with other people or sexual contact of some kind with other people. Well, that's definitely, yeah, that would definitely fall under the umbrella of ethical non-monogamy. Right. Yeah. Poly families? Yeah. So on a personal, a personal note on this, like the day that, well, that we were originally going to record and weren't able to, I found out that an old friend of mine um, who identifies as asexual is going to be co- becoming a parent with a couple and moving in with them and becoming like they're going to become like a triad basically. And I don't, I mean, it's obviously none of my business, but like the ins and outs of that situation right. is. But they made this, they made an announcement on Facebook, the three of them, that the, the three of them are going to have a baby. Like, and the, the three of the, it was like a, a picture of the three of them with the, mm-hmm. the woman with her pregnant belly and the, um, her husband and then my friend all all together like this is the these are the baby's parents so that's like really cool and exciting and I um it was on the top of my mind like not in traditional family situations so I just think that that's so amazing because he didn't know I'm sure at different points if he would be able to become a parent and it's like wonderful that he's going to be able to to share in that family and and to be a parent in a non-traditional family so it's wonderful yeah, I read um, a story on theweek.com. Um, it was originally from Vocative. And it was, um, it's a story, What Life is Like in a Polyamorous Family. And it's a profile on this one polyamorous family um, that is a triad. So the legally married partners are Cliff and Britt. Um, and this relationship started when Cliff and Britt were having a weekly D&D game. And Dave would come over early and stay late. And he eventually became involved with both of them sexually. He started sleeping over so frequently that he moved in. And then Britt found out that she was pregnant. Dave was younger than Britt and Cliff. It was just like, I'm not ready to be a father. The family life isn't for me. And they all agreed that that was best for all of them. And he moved out. And that is kind of when they realized that it was more of an emotional relationship than they had realized at first. And now they are living as a triad. Um, They all sleep in the same bedroom. Like they, Cliff and Dave both consider themselves to be Gareth's fathers. Um, So like, I believe they said something about Gareth referring to Dave as Dad Dave. Which is so so cute. cute. (laughs) Yeah, Dad Dave. And they actually don't know who biologically is his father because they're like, it doesn't matter. We're both his father. Um, Their little guy is three years old now. And one of the things they talk about in the article is concerns about him becoming school age because there's no legal protection for Dave 
as a parent of Gareth. Because since Britt and Cliff are legally married, yeah. Cliff is identified as the legal parent. Yeah. So they're worried about will Dave be able to pick Gareth up from school? Will he be able to take him to the doctor and get medical treatment for him if needed? There's a lot of legal concerns they have as well as social concerns. So they actually relocated from Florida to um, the West Coast because they were looking for more of a socially open environment. And they've said that they've really been able to be more open since moving than they were in Florida, which was pretty conservative. And they didn't really feel safe being open as a polyamorous family. So it's just interesting to read through the example of this one couple, which obviously does not represent all polyamorous families, but it's just one example, what the legal and social ramifications of that are. So one concern that Britt mentioned is, is it going to be an issue when Gareth has a friend from school over and then that friend goes home and says, yeah, there's two dads and a mom over there. Yeah. Is Gareth going to have a hard time being able to make friends for that reason? Um, Yeah, that's, I mean, it's, I... I think it is similar to, especially in the past, but I mean, I'm sure not in probably most cities, but I'm sure in a lot of places, if somebody has any kind of a non-traditional family, like if there are two moms at the house, then that's probably a problem for some kids still, and certainly was in the past. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I think we're hopefully getting to a point where it's not. And I think, I think hopefully that, as attitudes change that we can get to a point like I just don't I just don't see why a kid having three like loving parents is worse than two loving parents right I just don't so yeah and that's what pretty much all child development research tells us as well is that the more caring adults that are in a child's life the better off that child is whether that's you know being really involved with both parents and a grandparent Oh, yeah. Or, you know, just any more, the more caring adults in a child's life, the better off that child is. Yeah. I, as a child of, you know, a divorced family that had joint custody, I was raised uh, by my mom. And then at my dad's house, my my dad and my grandmother took a huge role in that. And then my dad remarried and my stepmom was there. And like that, like nobody thought that was weird. Like nobody thought it was weird mm-hmm. that I had a stepmom or that my grandmother took care of me a lot. So... Yeah, I mean, I get that people, I think that the problem societally, and I don't mean that I think this is a problem for me, to be clear, is just that when people see a non-traditional family that involves polyamory, they just think of it as being, like, kinky sexually. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, and I think it's the same thing with, with a gay couple or a lesbian couple that are raising a child. But, like, obviously, they're not just, like, constantly 24-7 doing it. I mean, no more so than any parents are. So I just don't see what their sex life has to do with them raising a child since, like, Hopefully, everyone that has sexual proclivities and is in a relationship is being sexually active. Like, why does it matter if there are three of them or if they're both women or, like, whatever? It seems weird. Yeah, that's something Britt mentioned in the article was that there are people who have said that she's just a slut, that she just doesn't want to have to pick between the two guys, and that's what the relationship is about. That is gross. Um, One of the two men actually experienced more rejection from his religious family over the choice to be polyamorous than he did over um, coming out about his bisexuality. And it also mentions that there, it it is rare, but there are situations where a child is removed from a polyamorous home. yeah. Which is so nuts to me. Like, again, how can more caring, loving adults in a household be bad for kids? It just doesn't make any sense. I found another quote from Britt that I wanted to read that I think is great as just a wrap-up of polyamory in general, or a good quote. Britt said, Poly is a build-your-own relationship structure. Your mileage will vary depending on what the person involved is doing. All that really matters is that everyone is ethically treated. As long as everyone is on the same page, it can be whatever you want it to be. So I think that's a pretty good summary of what polyamory is and what those relationships look like. Yeah. I have, I guess, one other thing on poly families. I do think that it's good to be sex positive, of course, but it is important to have to have boundaries. I mean, it is realistically important to have good boundaries. And I think in my not even experience, just like my thought experiment opinion, 
when there's a situation like that where a baby is born into a household with, you know, more than two parents, is a different situation than if there is a married couple that have, I don't know, like a 10-year-old, say, and they decide that they are not happy being monogamous and want to start experimenting with polyamory and bring another person in. I think I think that there are situations where there are not proper boundaries set up and the children are not considered, like their mental health isn't always like considered. So it is important to be sex positive and it's good to do what makes you happy. But when you are a family with children, I think boundaries also have to be carefully considered. Yeah, I think that's true of any family. For sure. But I I think it does get more complicated with polyamorous families, just as relationships get more poly. Right. The more people that are involved in something, the more complicated it is going to be because each person brings their own complicated yeah. and situation to the mix. It's also, like, that's also equally true if a couple divorces when a kid is 10 and starts dating. I mean, right. just, like, any time that a situation like that changes, you know, and... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that it's important, but I I definitely, I do feel like there is a threat from just societal norms of, like, the children being seen as being victimized. I think that's something that unfortunately has to be, like, considered, and and not that it's true, but just, like, you have to be careful. Right, and if you're not sure, talk to a child psychologist, see what they think about it. For sure. They know better than I do. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think you're exactly right in bringing up that like when a when a divorced parent starts dating and boundaries are maybe not the most appropriate because I can think of oh yeah several examples with my friends growing up where mm-hmm. um, guys <laughs> kids are smarter than yeah. you sometimes think they are they know what's happening mm-hmm. um, especially <laughs> if you aren't using effective boundaries yeah so boundaries are important in any relationship in any family. And the same is true of polyamorous relationships and families. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well-defined boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. So, so some polyamorous people... Kylie's making a real weird face. Yeah. And I know <laughs> what you're about to get into, and I feel very, very underqualified to comment on it. Okay. So, proceed. Okay, well, this is, there's, here's a fact. It's not even an opinion. Some people think that poly, being polyamorous or non-monogamous is more of an orientation than, like, a lifestyle choice. So, and would like it to be recognized as such. And I, I, like, agree, I, I can see it, but I do think that it's something that's, like, gender or sexual orientation, which can be fluid and which, you know, can be on a scale. Like, I'm pretty monogamous, but like I said, in my lifetime, have I slipped up? I have, so I'm probably not a 10, because it's not like it's just the easiest thing that I've ever experienced. Just like I'm not a 10, or I don't know what the Kinsey scale goes up to, but, like, whatever it is, it means... Six. So, okay, uh, yeah, I'm just saying, I'm not on one side of, of, of anything, of gender either, I'm not, so I think that's, I think that there's no reason we shouldn't consider it that, I think, I think that there are people for whom monogamy is not, uh, I mean, I don't want to say not attainable, anybody can do anything they put their mind to, but, like, why a gay person can marry someone of the opposite sex and be unhappy, you know, a person who struggles intensely with monogamy and doesn't feel like it comes naturally to them, it can be monogamous, but like, why? Why would they want to be? They shouldn't have to. I think that people should be allowed to identify however they would like to identify. Mm -hmm. And that is all I feel qualified to say on this topic. I'm very afraid to get into the weeds of this because as I do not really have any desire to be polyamorous, how would I know is kind of how I feel. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think part of it is about... Because for me, it's not my orientation or my right. choice, so how do I know which one of those two things it is? Right. Right. I, th- I think part of it is about, like, potential legal protection and just societal recognition and I think, I kind of think it's demonstrably not a choice because, I mean, I think for people who, like, struggle with, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say, but that's that's my opinion. I think it's cool if people want to practice non-monogamy, good, good for them. Do it. I mean, safely, conscientiously, communicatively, and with a lot of spreadsheets. 
as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah, go I, think, I think it's like when I was growing up in a rather conservative part of Missouri, which is really most of Missouri, um, but when I was growing up, um, there was the predominant thinking was that being gay is a choice. Right. I didn't um, experience this. So. And I, growing up as a tiny tween who definitely felt sexual attraction towards people of all genders, was like, yeah, you're attracted to everybody. And then so you, you just choose to. And then you just choose. So that makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, so that's really, so my own, you know, right. not being a Kinsey one or right. rather 100% heterosexual <laughs> actually colored that for me in a negative way but so I, I think that's kind of funny now that I was like yeah you're just attracted to everybody and then you just pick oh my gosh which I know. one you want to so yeah being gay as a choice makes sense to me because I just thought everybody was attracted to everybody just like I was yeah and then I grew up and was like oh no like that's different for every person and so since I way. don't have the desire or inclination towards polyamory I'm like how would I don't know because yeah how I know that being gay isn't a I'm choice. not eh, I just, not trying to make ugh. you uh yeah. say something you don't want to say oh you I don't are think welcome you are. To... Just, yeah I just I, I don't know yeah I don't know man I don't know man I yeah people should be allowed to identify however they want to identify do you you want to go to woman of the week or yeah okay my woman of the week is topical. My woman of the week is Morning Glory Zell Ravenheart, which is, is such a name. It's a delightful name. Unfortunately, Morning Glory has passed. She died in 2014, but I want um, everyone to pause the podcast and Google her because she, just to like get the visual aid, she's obviously amazing. So um, if you're not sure how to spell that, that's the word morning, the word glory. Like the flower. And then Z-E-L-L hyphen raven heart. Yes. So she coined the term polyamory. And she is just an amazing life story. Uh, she lived in... I should have made notes. Uh, California. Yeah. She was born in California. Um, she was a hippie who, uh, in the 60s and 70s, uh, lived in a commune. She had an open marriage with her husband, whose name is Oberon Zell Ravenheart. She and her husband lived in St. Louis for some time, and he was the founder of the Church of All Worlds, which is a whole other thing. Like, I really invite you to go into a Wikipedia hole on this, because I certainly did. It's such a fun Wikipedia spiral, Um, guys. It's so good. Like, I don't even know where to, like, how to sum up this woman's life, but she's basically this amazing witchy high priestess of the church of all worlds and she lived in this open marriage and she's just uh an absolute inspiration her husband has a wizarding school in sonoma county california called the gray school of wizardry so guys what we're saying is (laughs) google old morning glories all ravenheart and then just scroll on through that Wikipedia page, control click, open in a new window, and have a time. Yeah, I, I just don't even, I just don't even know. I'm just feeling like she's such an inspiration. Not that I want to be her, but just that I'm so glad that she lived in this world and gave her beautiful, beautiful energy to it. My woman of the week is Amy Sherman Palladino. Hey. So last Friday was March 17th, and Amy Sherman Palladino's new pilot, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, came out on Amazon. Guys, I'm a person who has seen Gilmore Girls through probably upwards of 10 times, but I don't know because I kind of just cycle through and like fall asleep to it constantly, unless I'm taking a Buffy break, but mostly I'm a baby. But mostly I'm a Gilmore Girls gal. GGG. Amazing. And I also like Bunheads, ASP's second show that you can watch on And I also Freeform. like Bunheads is the most true statement about Bunheads. It's so <laughs> real. And I also like Bunheads. Guys, Bunheads is not as good of a show as Gilmore Girls, but it's fine. And 
And if you miss Gilmore Girls, it's fine as a, like, this is kind of like that. It's, it's fine. But The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel is not like that. It is its own new beautiful thing. And Amy Sherman Palladino, I feel, has truly found like the thing she was meant to do in The Marvelous oh, Mrs. Maisel. I'm so excited. It is to watch so it. beautiful and wonderful. It's on Amazon Prime. Right now it's just a pilot. It hasn't been ordered to series yet. I really encourage you to go to Amazon.com slash pilot season. Watch the show, rate the show. Let's get this ordered to series because it is phenomenal. I have not yet heard anyone say a bad word about it. Yay. It's like Amy Sherman Palladino wonderfulness, but also with maybe less of the references. Yeah, the pop culture crutches. Less pop pop culture. Yeah, pop culture crutches is a good way of putting it. So less of the pop culture crutches because it's set in the late 50s, early 60s. Let me tell you what it is. How about that? Marvelous Mrs. Maisel is about a housewife who decides to become a stand-up comedian. And the main character is such a delight. She is flawed, but she is lovely. And everything she does makes me love her more and more. Um, There's also all of these great tertiary characters that I'm so excited to learn more about. Guys, it's going to be such a good show. Tony Shalhoub is in it. We're going to see more of him. Um... Oh, uh, I'm sorry. Alex Bornstein. Alex Bornstein is in it, and she is phenomenal. I can't wait to learn more about her character, Susie. It's such a good show. I cannot recommend it more highly. Um, And then kind of a secondary cheat woman of the week off of that is Peggy Lee. Peggy Lee, 60s pop star, had this song, um, and it's part of the pilot soundtrack of Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, and it's called Pass Me By. And it's just a really great um, body positivity song is kind of how I feel about it. Let me just read you some lyrics from this song because it's so cute. Oh my gosh, that picture. She's the cutest. So it's really just the same words over and over. There's like not really a verse and chorus, but it's, I got me 10 fine toes to wiggle in the sand, lots of idle fingers snapped to my command, a loverly pair of heels that kick to beat the band. Contemplating nature can be fascinating. Add to these a nose that I can thumb and a mouth by gum have I. To tell the whole darn world if you don't happen to like it, deal me out. Thank you kindly, pass me by. And it's just basically a song where she's like, yeah, I have all of these great attributes and if you don't like it, that's fine. See you never. (laughs) And I couldn't identify with it more. And it's so bouncy and happy and I really love it. Aw, so look that up. Uh, It's a good pop culture play as well okay so sorting hat morning glory zell ravenheart what do we think like uh, probably a ravenclaw like a weird ravenclaw yeah like a luna lovegood yeah or or a, a Sybil Trelawney. A Sybil Trelawney, or I was going to say a Xenophilius Lovegood. Yeah, more like more like Xenophilius Lovegood. Totes, totes, totes. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with eccentric Ravenclaw. Amy Sherman Palladino. I feel like Ravenclaw, but also maybe a little bit Slytherin, but mostly Ravenclaw. Maybe, yeah, I think... I think she's so literate, like... As far as books, movies, TV yeah. shows, she, her reference pool right, yeah. is so vast. She has, I feel like she knows all of the things. She can obviously talk circles around everyone. Oh, yeah. And very, very fast, I bet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But also from what I hear, she also just, like, doesn't give a fuck about anything ever. Yeah, that's not very Slytherin, though. That's true. Slytherins was... do give a fuck. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Okay, Ravenclaw, done. <laughs> uh, I don't know anything about Peggy Lee, TBH. Peggy Lee, I feel like, is... Like, Gryffindor. Gryffindor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like, I'm like, I don't know anything about that, but probably a Gryffindor. I just, it's it's so lovely. Like, I'm, we're gonna have to play the song, but... Okay, that's, that's exciting. All right, bye, Sorting Hat. See you later. I think that's it. Well, thank you for listening to Girls Planning. I hope that you learned something here today. You've been lovely, and I hope you come back for more girls' planations some sometime. Thanks. Bye. You're welcome. Bye. 
You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Girlsplaining with no vowels, G-R-L-S-P-L-N-N-G. You can also reach us by email at girlsplainingwithnovowels at gmail.com. Vowels are letters that are A-E-I-O-N-U, so don't use those, but use all of the other letters. And if you want to find us on the World Wide Web, our website is girlsplainingshow.com with all the appropriate vowels. And our music is Girl by the Leonas. Thank you to the Leonas. You can find their website at leonasmusic.com. And Girl is from their album Forbidden Fruit. That has all the vowels too. So you you have a lot of best friends? Uh-huh. All the best friends in the whole life world. You think you'll always have lots of friends? Yeah, even Andrew. Yeah, I think Andrew's a good friend. Do you know how Mama and Dada are like best friends? Mm-hmm. And we live together in our family? Do you think that when people get married, they should just be one Mama and one Dada? Mm-hmm. What if there were more people? There could be a dad marry a dad or a mom could marry a mom. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. What about if there were three different people? What if there were two moms and one dad? Or two dads and two moms? Mm, that would be one, two, three, four. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think that would be okay? I think we will, might need a bigger house. 